Welcome to Almost Here, Around the Corner of Future Technology Podcasts with Richard Jacobs. Future technologies poised to transform our lives for better or worse are the focus of this podcast. Almost Here means these technologies are now here and starting to be used, or just around the corner, from Bitcoin to artificial intelligence, 3D printing, blockchain, virtual reality, and more. Coming to Dallas, Texas, September 14th, 15th, and 16th, 2018, the Blockchain and Future Tech Expo. This is going to be a gigantic conference of over 5,000 people. We're going to be talking about blockchain and its applications. We're going to be talking about quantum computing, cybersecurity, artificial intelligence, and several other future technologies that are poised to and actually changing our lives as we speak. Here's why you should attend. As you may know, early adopters are the ones that investigated and profited from things like the gold rush in the 1800s, from the dot-com boom in the 1990s, from the internet boom in 2005, from the smartphone explosion in 2007, from the real estate boom that ended in 2008, and of course, from the Bitcoin boom that started in 2012. Early adopters act now. They don't wait till later. They go out west first, and their covered wagons, they find the biggest gold nuggets. If you consider yourself an early adopter and you want to find the biggest nuggets, then you owe it to yourself to attend this upcoming conference. Blockchain is going to affect how we control and store our medical data, how we send money around the world, how we bank, and more. But artificial intelligence, quantum computing, and cybersecurity will play a pivotal role in our lives as well. And that's why our next event, September 14th to the 16th at the Dallas Convention Center, is going to have not only 5,000 plus attendees, but will showcase blockchain, AI, cybersecurity, quantum computing, and more. You want to get in on the coming gold rush of future tech and opportunity as an early adopter. Don't be left out. To register, go to bftexpo.com. That's blockchainfuturetechexpo.com. Thank you. Hello, this is Richard Jacobs with Future Tech Podcast. My guests today are Bryce Thomas and Frederick Bryan both co-founders of Token Spin. How are you guys doing today? Good, good, good. How's it going? Yeah, good. Thanks for coming. I appreciate it. Um, where are you guys calling in from? It's uh, probably really late where you are, I guess, right? No, it's actually pretty early. We're in Brisbane at the moment, Brisbane, Australia. Oh, so it's like the year 2023 on a Thursday or something? Or... <laughs> the time yeah. <laughs> right on. All right, well, thanks, guys, yeah. So uh, just, just tell me a, a little bit about your backgrounds and then tell me what the concept of token spins about. Yeah, so uh, I'm a current MBA student at the University of Sydney here in Australia. Um, and I've got a background in finance. I mean, that's what I specialized in. I did a Master of Finance at UNSW. Um, and um, I'll let Frederick. Uh, and I have a background in business myself. Um, I studied a Bachelor of Commerce and a postgrad in business management. And um, yeah. So the concept of token spin is, um, I mean, the, the initial idea of it is that, uh, you know, I guess charitable fundraising costs are at, are at all-time highs. And I mean, it is the case globally, and it's, it's the case here in Australia for sure. Um, you know, when, uh, you know, one of the cases that we're looking at in particular was um, raffles. So, I mean, when, when most people think of raffles, they think of, um, you know, charity and so forth. But the reality is a raffle is, is just a micro lottery. It's a, you know, you don't pick your numbers, but you get a numbered ticket. Um, and it's, it's a pretty cool game. It's very simple. It's very easy to participate in. So we looked at it and we, we 
you know, um, a prominent charity here in this country um, was trying to raise $150,000 over the Christmas period and um, only $40,000 of what they raised went to them because admin and overhead and telemarketing ate up the rest. And right. when, we look, when we looked at this, we thought, well, you know, um, let's break it down. Let's have a look at, you know, how this is structured, how do, what, what does the law re- require and so forth. So um, we realized that actually it's a pretty good application for blockchain, specifically for smart contracts using Ethereum, which is what we're using. So um, when we realized that we, you know, the cost went from, I mean, typically set up as anywhere from about, for the bigger raffles, about $1,000 to 20000 So when you put this uh, onto the blockchain, it actually comes down to about $10. So it's a significant saving. And and everything complies. It's totally transparent. You know how many people are in there. Um, traditionally, you know, it's very opaque. You don't know how many tickets are outstanding. You can look at the terms and conditions, but nobody actually does that. Um, but, I mean, the cool thing about, you know, the blockchain is that you can essentially take this process and make it more efficient and make it more transparent and, and so forth. So when we when we did this, we started to think about how do we design something that people want? So um, the idea of it is that they're short duration uh, micro raffles. So, you know, they go for anywhere from, let's say, 30 minutes to a couple of hours. So you don't have to wait months for the for the draw to be to happen. Um, okay. And, you know, they're. The odds are very good for the participants, so it scales up. You know, if there are only two people in the pool, your odds are 50-50, and if there's three people, it's one in three and so forth. So for the participant, it's we, we've designed that. How do we give them value? So we give them good odds. We give them transparency, um, and, you know, 80% of the pool value goes to the winner and 20% goes to charity. Um, and so it's it's a different sort of slant on, on rather than how do we get people to, you know, buy a ticket because you know, they want to give to how do we get people to participate because they want to win. So, you know, it opens the market to, you know, new participants. So this is this would be a series of, um, I guess, lotteries or competitions of these skill-based things, or is it just games of chance, or how does it work? Yeah, exactly. So it's a, it, there'd be a series of, uh, of micro lotteries. So these are all games of chance, um, specifically. Is there any reason why you wouldn't do games of skill? Or is it uh, just more fun for people to do games of chance? Or what would be the reason? Yeah, so I mean, uh, so in this country, you know, and I guess this is the case with uh, any Western countries, there's there's a lot of legislation and there's a lot of, um, you know, I guess part of the value in this is, uh, you know, how how do we make this legal? How do we make it so that we can we can show other charities, we can show other not-for-profits that, you know, blockchain is is here and it's staying and it, it works and you know this is a real use case for this technology so um the reason why it's it's a game of chance at the moment is because we've looked at the legislation and these particular games can be run legally by charities but um you know i guess the value is, like i was saying in this is just um how do we show that this technology can be used and there is a real use case there and they can benefit from using it so what kind of um I mean, What's the reaction of charities to this proposed system? Do they like it? Do they have any issue with it? Like, you know, what's the feedback you've gotten from them? Yeah, they they like it. They think it's an interesting idea. Um, you know, I mean, the the feedback's been positive. I, I think, you know, I guess, you know, if if you think about, um, you know, nonprofits, you know, you think about business. Business is is typically behind, but then you've got nonprofits that are even further behind. So it's kind of like. Um, you know, we're all enthusiasts of, of, of blockchain. So 
you know, we, we wanted to create something that had an impact and that we can, because they are, you know, very behind. So unless somebody takes that first step that I, you know, they're, they're not going to do it themselves. So are there any particular kinds of charities that um, will be more amenable to your system than others? Are there certain ones that can't do it? It would look bad for them or, you know, what, what does it look like the landscape? Yeah, sure. So um, we started with uh, four charities. I mean, the smaller charities are more uh, are more interested in this particular uh, methodology, um, which is understandable. Um, but you know, eventually, once you know, once everything is up and running and it's working smoothly, um, I guess uh, you know, naturally, others will want to join the uh, platform. Yeah, what kind of uh, you don't have to say the specific names, but what kind of charities are showing interest, and which ones uh, you know don't seem to show interest? Is there any pattern there? Yeah, sure. So. Um, our objects of the so we so we had to register a charity um, to actually run these games of chance. So it's called Tokens for Humanity. Mm-hmm. So it's a charity here in in Australia. Um, okay. So the so what we do is we aggregate funds and we redistribute that to not for profits um, that we like that we believe in. But the objects of the company are to um, alleviate poverty. So it, it's very poverty focused. So the charities we've spoken to are around. Um, you know, homelessness, risk of homelessness, etc. So um, I'm not sure about, you know, other, um, if other charities that have different charitable purposes would be interested, so to speak, but those that we've spoken to in the line of poverty have been pretty receptive. Okay, very good. What, what um, like how much activity has there been on your platform? Um, what kind of people want to create these games of chance? And, you know, I mean, wouldn't anybody want to create the games of chance? What's the motivation yes. for the people creating them, you think? Yeah, sure. So, <clears throat> so our platform right now is on the testnet. So um, we're testing it. Uh, we're testing the contracts, the raffle contracts. So the website's developed and everything. We just want to make sure that the code's, uh, you know, all good. Uh, so we're doing bug testing at the moment and going through that process. Um, I mean, in regards to people running their own games of chance, we've decided that um, we're going to leave it for now as we're going through the pilot phase as just us fundraising for our charity to give to the charities that we like and believe in and the reason is because if you i mean clearly if you offered somebody to you know a chance to make money they're going to take it so you have to be right. very careful yeah you and you have to think about their intentions right so i guess the the idea is that we initially at the pilot phase we want to give to those that we think do a great job um so we've chosen those charities because if we open it to any charity we, we we don't want charities coming on board that we don't you know that do are inefficient you know don't do a great job etc cetera, etc cetera. Is, is there a token and what's the role of the token if so yeah so this isn't actually an ico um we've just been developing it privately um which is cool because uh you know there's no um you know there's no sort of hype with the, with the whole ico so yeah. it's the non-ico blockchain application well again to a lot of people that would be very refreshing that's why I asked, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I know, right? <laughs> Something new to the market. What 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 do you guys see as the average current efficiency of charities in particular space you're in? Is it really bad? I mean, how much room is there for uh, improvement? Yeah, there's there's quite a lot of room for improvement. Um I mean, to like to be honest, um it's 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 pretty inefficient. And I mean, it is generally it's, it's the case globally some some are better than others, but you know, when you when you look at the average, it is really quite bad. And um, so, uh, so like I said, we registered our um, our charity here in this country, and uh, we started to think about you know these problems and and everything that existed. So we thought, 
Um, there are a couple of critical functions that require trust in a charity, and one of them is the director's decisions, and the other one is the flow of funds. Because you know, giving to charity is an exercise in trust. You've got to trust that the funds go where the charity says they're going to go. So um, I'm sure uh, yourself and your listeners are aware of the DAO. Um, we started to think about, you know, using, modeling that sort of, you know, those contracts, but, you know, modifying them to our, to our use, et cetera, uh, to, to our need. And we've decided to move the critical functions of our charity to, to be on-chain. So the governance and, and everything is made in the public domain. So any interested individual can see our proposals and our decisions and also where the funds are going. So we've decided to look at executing on the vision of the decentralized autonomous charity. Um, there's been a lot of talk about this uh, in the space, but nobody's really tried to take um, action or try and execute. And we're going through the motions of actually programming that now. So it's, it's, uh, it's more a tool than a structure, but um, yeah. Yeah, what are some of the challenges with having a, um, you know, putting your governance onto a blockchain, you know, having a decentralized charity? Yeah. So one of the biggest challenges that we found is that um, the DAO was, it was, it was an incredible concept and, you know, we were all inspired by that vision, but we found that, you know, the big problem with these things and the big problem with, I think, um, a lot of things in blockchain is um, perhaps the lack of legal compliance. So uh, one of the challenges that we had was, how do we move it on chain, but also make sure that it fits in that nice little legal box so that um, others could use it in the future? Um, and so that was actually quite a challenge because we had the issue of um, whether it was going to be looked at as a trust or whether it was going to mimic the company limited by guarantee. So um, there were a lot of structuring issues around um, trying to get this right and trying to make sure the structures, the token structures, the members that are part of this all um, fit within a nice compliance box. And obviously, you've got the interesting you know, part of it that all the decisions are transparent. So perhaps some people um, maybe may feel threatened by that, but it is a closely held charity right now. So, you know, we're happy to go fully transparent and show everybody that, you know, this can be done. I mean, you know, I guess the, the big thing is, is that we want to, we want to help solve some of these problems that exist. And one of them in the, in the space in the charity space is the lack of transparency um, and accountability at least. Well, what, what kind of efficiencies do you think, what, Again, what kind of efficiencies do you see now, ballpark, and what do you think is possible with your governance model and with this new model? Yeah, sure. So um, the the way it would work is that you know the funds would go from token spin, um, the twenty percent would go from that you know raffle contract into the um, into the decentralized charity, and that would that would go through in an automatic process. So um, it would be it would be quite an efficient structure because there's there's not as much um, in terms of uh, admin and so forth because it's all it's all automated. Okay, so you know it, it could be what maybe a fifty percent savings, or you just don't know yet until uh, things are further along. Yeah, we we aren't we aren't too sure right now, but we we would say that it would be a, quite a decent saving, and and beyond the saving as well, um, you know the you know to to make charities more accountable to the public, I think is definitely a worthwhile. Um, pursuit because I mean you know anybody can use a free website and have a look at what our decisions are and and where the funds are really going so if anybody tries to take funds or you know put their hand in the middle it'll be quite obvious that uh, the funds aren't going to where they said they're going to go 
What about the uh, the way that the, uh, the the auctions or the raffles are structured? You know, 80% to the creator, 20% to the charities. Does anyone have a problem with that? Are they happy with that split? You know, is it not worth it to do any other split? What's your opinion? Yeah, so um, so it, it's something that we're uh, we're looking at at the moment. Um, there's some weird laws in this country around the percentage splits, um, but you know, so some of that is is legislated. But um, 20% seems to be, you know, obviously we want to incentivize people to play, so that's why there's that um, you know that 80% pool that goes to the winner. Because I mean, I you know, ultimately we we want to give back to the user as well. Okay, yeah, I just didn't know if you had gotten any feedback on that. Very good. No, at this, at this point in time, we haven't received any um, any feedback from the users uh, as we're on the test net. But it'd be uh, it's definitely something that we want to go about testing in the future. We want to obviously um, maximize the user's experience, and uh, if that requires um, you know giving to charity or giving more to the user, that's something that um, that's something that we'll be looking out for in the future. Any other features that um, that you want to incorporate? Yeah, so eventually we're going to um, we're going to expand the offerings. I mean, this is just one one piece of it. Um, so I guess there'd be other games of chance that we're allowed to legally run and fundraise with. Um, but but for now, that that particular game, you know, I guess we have to see, you know, where users are at and see what they think about it um, in order to make any uh, in, you know improvement or features or anything. All right. And what's on your uh, your roadmap for 2018? What's coming? Uh, that you haven't uh, worked in, <laughs> in terms of your current project and future ones, what's happening? Yeah, so I guess uh, so. The roadmap for um, you know the rest of this year and perhaps next year is just to expand the offering, to get user feedback, um, to refine the platform, and also to work on our decentralized charity because we think that's going to be quite interesting uh, and have quite a significant impact. So all of that stuff will take uh, you know take up a fair chunk of time. Okay. Well, very good. So how can uh, interested people reach you to find out more about what you guys are working on? Yeah, so uh, our website is uh, tokenspin, so T-O-K-E-N-S-P-I-N dot I-O. Um, and you can sign up, you know, you can just register through email and we can give you updates. And then we also have Facebook, which is tokenspin dot I-O. Um, and we've also got, you know, you'll find other social media links there as well. We've got a Medium and a Steemit and so forth. Okay, very good. Um, any other ways that uh, people can contact you? Or I guess that's plenty. That's, uh, you know, if they want to go, they can go personal. Um, I mean, they can reach out to us uh, via social media. And and also, um, there's also uh, our uh, emails as well. So, um, bryce at tokenspin.io. If anybody wants to contact me direct or has any feedback or any thoughts, that would be great. All right, guys. Well, very good. Well, I appreciate you coming on, and uh, you know it's a noble thing you guys are working on. So you know, definitely want to keep people advised of how it progresses. Thanks. Yeah, we 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 were. It was an absolute pleasure to be on the show. It's been great to be on. Yeah, thank you. Coming to Dallas, Texas, September 14th, 15th, and 16th, 2018, the Blockchain and Future Tech Expo. This is going to be a gigantic conference of over 5,000 people. We're going to be talking about blockchain and its applications. We're going to be talking about quantum computing, cybersecurity, artificial intelligence, and several other future technologies that are poised to and actually changing our lives as we speak. Here's why you should attend. As you may know, early adopters are the ones that investigated and profited from things like the gold rush in the 1800s. 
from the dot-com boom in the 1990s, from the internet boom in 2005, from the smartphone explosion in 2007, from the real estate boom that ended in 2008, and of course, from the Bitcoin boom that started in 2012. Early adopters act now. They don't wait till later. They go out west first. In their covered wagons, they find the biggest gold nuggets. If you consider yourself an early adopter and you want to find the biggest nuggets, then you owe it to yourself to attend this upcoming conference. Blockchain is going to affect how we control and store our medical data, how we send money around the world, how we bank, and more. But artificial intelligence, quantum computing, and cybersecurity will play a pivotal role in our lives as well. And that's why our next event, September 14th to the 16th at the Dallas Convention Center, is going to have not only 5,000 plus attendees, but will showcase blockchain, AI, cybersecurity, quantum computing, and more. You want to get in on the coming gold rush of future tech and opportunity as an early adopter. Don't be left out. To register, go to bftexpo.com. That's blockchainfuturetechexpo.com. Thank you. You have been listening to Almost Here, Around the Corner Future Technology Podcast with Richard Jacobs. Subscribe to this podcast, post a review, to discover more future technologies that are poised to transform our lives for better or worse, such as Bitcoin, artificial intelligence, 3D printing, blockchain, virtual reality, and more.